and Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. What's up, everybody? It's Nick and Matt, and we are here for episode 30, and I was just laughing so hard. Uh, Simon's in studio, and he said something about his chair leaning and locking back in place, and I said, oh, have you ever seen that commercial? And um, let me know, comment if you've you've seen this commercial, the ladder fail commercial where the guy's on, like, QVC. Had you ever seen that before? No, now? I'd never seen it before. It's awesome, though. <laughs> the guy's like, this is how it works. It's great. And he gets on it, and it kind of breaks in half, and he goes, now it's locked. That was the part that tipped me off, and then he falls down. Yeah. On his face. It anyway. was great. It was a nice, funny pre-podcast stuff to do. Hey, but yeah, we do. We do have Simon in studio tonight. I'm really excited about that. It'll be my on. last. Let's just go ahead and bring him in right now. Yeah, bring him in. Here we go. There he is. What's up, Simon? Hey, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. And it's 30th episode. Which technically you were supposed to be on this episode no matter what. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so funny how that worked out, actually. Perfect. Wow. So um, a couple things. Christopher... I will. I'm, we'll get his name right one day. Narbo, or however you would read that. It's it's definitely over there in Europe. And he reached out earlier and said to ask you some questions. So if he gets these questions in there, we'll do our best to answer them. But before we get into all this disc golf talk, another thing that came up in pre-show, I've been getting into 3D printing. Like I bought one of these 3D printers, and I don't know if you can see on screen here. This is what do they call him? Groot or something? Yeah, I'm Groot. <laughs> So, like, everyone's got to print, like, something like that. But, like, I've been starting to print the whole Settlers of Catan, or Catan, however you say it. Been printing out the whole 3D version of that board. And I'm having a blast. Like, the 3D printer's been running, like, 24-7. If you've ever been in 3D printing, would you let me know? Simon, what do you think about 3D printers? I know absolutely nothing about it. I've seen a handful of things 3D printed. Actually, someone sent me some 3D printed stuff for the Birdie Disc Golf game. So oh. I have my own little boxes where I can put those playing cards into with my SL logo, Very which nice. is uh, pretty awesome. And I've seen cool, obviously, on YouTube and stuff. I've seen really cool projects. And now I've seen your project, and you said you're obsessed. So I think it's uh, I think it's probably a fun little thing to do. For sure. So Simon asked Nick earlier. I'm just going to put it on him. What would you ask Nick? I mean, we were talking about that printing, and yeah. I was like, Nick, what what would be the first thing that you would... 3D print for yourself. I, I had said a uh, a bobblehead of myself. I think would be kind of cool. And then <laughs> Simon's like, "What about a signature series disc?" And I was like, "Yeah, it'd be cool too." But I, I just I don't have one of those yet, so I don't know. I don't know how I would do it. But we I would can just, no. I would just I would print out a disc and just write Nick Carl on it. Well, that'd be his, my signature disc. I think that was kind of his point, right? Yeah. Simon's like, "You can print out your signature disc." Yeah, because yeah. craft won't do it yet. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Did you see? I, I don't know if you saw. Um, uh, Julio, he came on the show, what was it, last week? Or two uh, weeks, two ago? weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Man, time flies. I know, right? And I was going to put him on the spot, too, and be like, so when's Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't going to do that to you. <clears throat> so That would have been funny. I would have loved it. So we've got a good show planned tonight. Um, we aren't here to talk about 3D printing and uh, whatever else we were talking about. We're here to talk about disc golf. That's what we do on the Nick and Matt show. And someone said man, Simon's always on the show. And then someone else commented and said, they know what gets the views. <laughs> hey, not going to lie, it helps. We're already at more viewers at this point than we were last week. So clearly, <laughs> clearly Simon is doing something right. And now no, we, we appreciate him coming in. Luckily, he's only like, what, 30 minutes away? Even less than that. It's yeah. a quick little 20-minute drive. And 
I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I can see in a way that obviously some people want to listen to me, but I feel like at this point, like I haven't played disc golf in so many weeks and even months now. And I don't really know what to talk about anymore. And especially today, I was like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure you guys have some key <laughs> yeah. points that I don't know yet. Yeah. And I'm I, just going to... We, we definitely I think, do. I so think go ahead and tease out yeah. an idea. I was, out. We're not going to talk about it yet, but give us some of your ideas. One of my ideas is I want to talk about, obviously, everyone is curious, what are your thoughts on the fourth major? Okay. That's going to be happening in 2022. We will be talking yeah. about that. Perhaps yeah. 2021 already. Um, but yeah, I mean, so... I feel like I've heard it a few times, like where you're at in the situations like that you have going on and you made a public announcement. Um, could you give us, it might be annoying to do this, but can you give us like a 30 second version of what you said earlier two weeks ago? Well, last week I was on Jomez and we talked about that like pretty detailed. Um, basically it's, it's an elbow injury. It's not really tendonitis. It's kind of more like an advanced version of that because I had tendonitis early last year, and I just kept playing and playing and playing, so it got worse and worse and worse, and now the time it takes to heal is just much longer, and there's nothing really I can do more than I'm already doing, um, which I'm not going to list everything I've done, which is pretty much everything, and all it really is is time that helps at this point, so I had to make the call to take the first couple of weeks off on tour, but hopefully come April or May, I'm going to be back and stronger than ever. That's That's at least my goal. Nice. It's kind of sad because I'm going to Vegas this year, and Simon was actually the first person to pick me up in Vegas uh, two years ago when I had went. So Simon was the dude who I hung out with for a while. We went to, I think we went to the Cosmopolitan and got the buffet there. It was there at the Excalibur. I don't remember which it was, one it was. It was one of those two, but it wasn't very good. It was like 50 bucks, but it's like two hours of all-you-can-eat food. And then it was like it was average food. But then Paul, Hannah, and I had went to the Bellagio's buffet. Now that one. That was fire. They had Alaskan king crabs. And the best part about it, they had bread pudding. And I'm a huge bread pudding guy. <laughs> so I, I probably had more bread pudding than I did an actual dinner. It was it was phenomenal. Bread pudding, to me, <laughs> just the name alone, like, throws me just off. Just sounds like, amazing. Simon, <laughs> Simon, are you into bread pudding? I mean, I've had really good and really bad bread pudding. I guess it kind of depends on where you are and who makes it. But it's it can be really good, despite sure. the terrible name. My, my brother is an incredible cook and just the super food person. And he makes an incredibly good bread pudding. Now, people who ruin their bread pudding are the ones who put like the almonds or the raisins in it. Uh, that's that's when they, if you put raisins in your bread pudding, you, if you make you it healthy, it. it's no, exactly. Not going no, we, we don't do that gluten-free stuff. We don't do that here on the uh, Naked Match Show. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> we had somebody suggest a Simon and I, I told my wife earlier, cause I was looking through like just different things that are going on with the show. And I don't mean to offend the person who commented this. If you're on the show, I think you're actually one of our regulars, Matt. I think Matt May. Mm -hmm. He said, "Why don't you recommend like a plant-based diet to Simon?" And I looked at my wife and I'm like, "How does that work? Like, someone just like tells me what I should recommend yeah. to Simon. Like, you know, what? I Simon, you should be getting a plant-based diet. <laughs> so guess there, what? I Matt, recommended it, Matt. There I we have, get it. I've many, many people have recommended that to me. I have thought about it. I have kind of ish tried it, but um, with my German roots. I just, I don't Can't know do if I can do it. I just don't know. Man. No, I, I, I know it would be good though. <clears throat> exactly. I actually think plant-based diet in, in and of itself kind of sounds appealing. So I'm not against it, but like, yeah, I just don't want to leave out all the other protein. Okay. Someone says, I recommend a pudding-based diet. And you know what? <laughs> I'm on the same page as you. Uh, that sounds amazing. 
Well, all right. Anyways, enough food talk. Okay, so here's what's, what's another topic that <laughs> Nick's like, we're gonna go into. Nick's like, this is a yeah, disc golf. Because now I'm hungry. This is his last show okay, in studio again. Um, and so For I kind of want to put out there. The plan is to continue on, but we have to figure it out again. And we're gonna figure out where he's doing the show from. Does he have strong Wi-Fi? All that stuff. We don't want the the quality to go down. So it might have a little delay, little bump. But we're gonna keep going. Um, Simon, I think the last time you were on the show. It might have been two times ago. Maybe the we last played time. darts. Okay, that was the last time. I think so. And I'm pretty sure you handed over like two grand, <laughs> like over this computer in front of me. Oh, that was. Was that the time? Yeah, I was, think okay. so. Yeah, it was. Okay, so I'm just curious if you knew that another disc. I'm sure you were aware that you gave to Casey. I think it was the tilt. Oh, like three days ago, or however long yeah, ago yeah. it was, and he put it up for like to help for his touring mm-hmm. efforts. And do you know what that ended up going for? I do. What do you know? What was the dollar? What was it? Well, there was a lot of discussion uh, online about what was going on, and uh, I think it ended up going for two thousand one hundred and seventy or thirty. It was something like that. like twenty one hundred and something, um, which was insane. I mean, Casey uh, came over here to actually buy his first van, his tour vehicle with Alyssa in Connecticut. So they flew it, flew to Massachusetts for a mm-hmm. weekend, and. Um, I got to see the van, which is super exciting. I'm so stoked for those two, and it's pretty much just adventure life from now. And uh, yeah, they came over to the house, and I was like, "How can I help him? Like support him in any way?" I, mean, I know I've supported him <laughs> a bit already in his life and how he got to where he is now. Mm-hmm. But I uh, like for his first kind of couple of weeks on tour, and I thought I'll give him a tilt, and maybe he can sell it, and that'll be like a fundraiser almost for him. And I was like, yeah, maybe some crazy person will pay again, like three, four hundred bucks for it. But then again, the Discmania, I don't know what is going on. Discmaniacs. I, I don't even know if it's a good thing at this point. Like, I, Yusi called me after uh, Casey made that post, and we kind of had a little discussion about it, what we thought about the market and the crazy, just the craziness. And um, I mean, for one, I'm super glad that Casey has two extra thousand dollars to start his life yeah, on exactly. tour. Which goes a really long way. Two grand is actually going to be super mm-hmm. helpful. That so that's mm-hmm. really cool. Thanks everyone who made that auction so successful. But uh, yeah, moving forward, um, hard to say where where this is going to go. Any chance? With that disc. I was just going to say, any chance that you could give us any part of what that conversation with UC was? You mentioned it was about the market and all that, but like, is it like yeah. about the like? Hey, should we do limited runs so the market goes crazy like this? Or what? What was that conversation? Is there any part you can share of that? I mean, just real bait. I can't go into detail, unfortunately. I would love to, but uh, and D, basically, it was UC said you have to be careful with stuff like that in the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thanks, yep. Doc Zen. Thanks, Doc Zen, for that super chat. Can I get Stacy White's number? Stacy White. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many? How many of those? Because that was a premium plastic till. I had actually thrown that. I was I think, just going to ask first... if you've thrown one, Nick. Yeah, it was like the first week that Simon had got them. We went out for a round at Maple Hill. We were with um your buddy Kevin, right? Yes. The golfer. Yep. Yeah, yep. we went out with his buddy Kevin and joking around, Simon was like, here, throw this. And I was, he was like, throw it over hole one white. And I was like, no, because from what you tell me, it's stupid stable. And so he threw it over hole one white. And it barely made it over hole one. It went to left and it just super dives. But yeah, those are like, I was like 10 of them in premium plastic. I have 15. 15 of them in the premium plastic they're yeah. really I, yeah i thought they were really cool i i was I able know to throw one with it but. i think it was like 10 degrees out yeah. and i was handed one i'm just like it doesn't feel like i'm warmed up to throw anyways yeah. but then i just ripped it like as hard as 
I can. And I again, I'm someone who has a hard time hitting yeah. like 350. But and like, then you laughed. And then I laughed. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I, the whole point. I no. tried. Yeah. I I tried throwing it as a joke, like on a roller angle. On With like a forehand. Yeah. No, no, no. Just like a straight up backhand okay. roller. And I actually like ripped it. And within 50 feet, it was already going left. <laughs> it was good. I actually, I, and after watching like Eagles vlog uh-huh. and him doing that one shot around that utility pole, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was almost like flat, like yeah. perpendicular with the pole. And it, and as I think you talked about this on Shomez, like it pans out, but it like keeps flying because it's on such an angle. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was really funny doing the, um, what was it? It was the like, was it the pancake shot? It was one of those other crazy shots where it's just like reverse of what you would expect. Like a grenade? Or it pans like out to the right. I think it's upside oh, down. Yeah, Casey threw a thumber. <laughs> okay. On the thumber angle, instead of flipping <laughs> on its back and going left, it hyzers out and goes right, which is nuts. Weird. Yeah. And and not to rehash this whole topic, but I saw your video when you announced it as well. Throwing it upside down. Yeah. Is it really working almost as if a disc was flipped right side up in a way? Like it's the understability flipping to, you know what I mean? It's overstable, upside, upside down. Upside down, it flies kind of like a overstable fairway driver or mid-range. Wow. Um, I can literally throw 150 to 200 feet further upside down than normally. Yeah, that's like, crazy. It's really... Not not the normal Simon throw. You mean normally oh, no, with that disc. With that disc, of course. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, obviously it might be useless, that throw, the upside down shot, but... If you're like having a tough round and for some reason you're like on lead card and you're just tanking it and there's a big gallery, you can pull out the freaking tilt, yeah. throw an upside down shot and just <laughs> have everyone have a good time. So that was kind of the goal. That's wild. I'm curious how long they're going to, because what's the plastic they came out in? What's the name of the plastic? It's not It's not super Exo, premium. Exo hard okay. vapor. Exo hard vapor. I'm curious how long, like until a tilt beats in. Yeah, how how different <laughs> is it gonna fly? Interesting, because it's not it's not like you know uh, an S line pal- plastic or like a champion type plastic. It's more of a not like a DX. It's it's a better version of DX. I'm trying to think of like a good. I don't know. It's it's a more durable version than DX, obviously. So I'm curious well, after say a hundred throws with it, will it fly fifty feet further? Will it keep that stability? I'm interested in your opinion. I have one, but no. Like here's the thing, I. You know, this disc was designed by Tomas Ekstrom, who mm-hmm. is like the main designer for DD and mm-hmm. Latitude. He's designed over 150 different molds. And this one is so different and so crazy. He told me that it is very possible that the more this disc beats in, the more <laughs> overstable it will get. That's wild. Because the mold is just so different That's and it's so flat yeah. that the dinks in the side of the rim might actually make it more stable. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I'm glad I I'm left. curious. Whoever has a tilt, get, you know, five hundred throws in with it and then take a video and see how it flies. I'm, just, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely curious about that. I'm really glad I asked Simon the follow up. I'm like, I've got an opinion. Yeah. And then he says that. I'm like, I'm not gonna answer. Cause I was gonna say it's probably like most every other disc. Like it's gonna start to like kind of yeah. get a little more understable. And I would say it would still die hard, mm-hmm. but like they die hard. Like <laughs> anyways. And so, anyways, yeah, that's really interesting. So, <clears throat> the other topics we're going to talk about, but we're kind of, we're not stalling. We're just getting all the smaller stuff out of the way because I we do want to talk. In fact, stick around. When we do judge that disc golfer, right after that, we are going to move right into this topic that's going to take up, I think, a significant portion of the show, which is this new major that was announced. We had Nate Heinold on the show mm-hmm. to hear it from his mouth, like what the committee thought. And 
I give him a whole bunch of credit for coming on the show and honestly just being super open-minded. Uh, in fact, we had people commenting that live, like, wow, this is not at all what I thought of Nate. Um, I want to bring our opinions to this now, like able to process that for a week and Simon share as much as you want or don't as a pro player. But and I'm not Nick, you're a pro player too, but I mean like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I get what you mean. So, um, all that being said, we are going to talk about that. So stick around till after judge that disc golfer. But part of that conversation is going to be also think about this, assuming that that format stays, can we do this conversation right now? This will be like the pre, then we'll do judge that disc golfer. Mm -hmm. Assuming that format sticks, okay, the way it's been announced, four rounds of stroke play, two rounds of match play, meaning like you make it through the semis and then the finals, okay? Who is most likely to win that style event? Is there a most likely? Or is it just a toss-up like always? Because if that's the case, then what's the big deal? Okay, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to dive into the format yeah. again. Let's let's yeah, focus yeah, on we'll, we'll assuming kind of talk that about format. That assuming that format, who do I think if has that the highest chance sticks, of winning? You got to do four rounds to make yeah. it in, and then you then you play match play. I don't think. I think it's going to be one of those events where it's like anyone could win it. It's like USCGC. You don't know who's going to win it every single year because you have people. You know, Paul wins it in fifteen, then Jeremy Colling in sixteen, and then uh, I'm drawing a blank. Nate Sexton in seventeen. Like it's always different people who win that event because of the course that they're playing. And I think now if you add this whole match play bracket, it's, you know, within one bad round, you're out of the tournament completely. One bad round at USDGC, look at Calvin Heinberg. He had one bad round and then almost came back and won it. One bad round at this new event, you're potentially have no chance of making the match play part of it. So I don't know. I think it's kind of a toss-up. I think it's going to act as one of those events. It's like the Pro Tour finale and the USCGC where it's hard to predict. Obviously, you can say people like Paul Eagle, Ricky. That That's who I think would more than likely win the event. I think when it comes down really? to... Yeah, I think when it comes down to <laughs> that, like... Surprising me big, with that hot pick. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, like, big pressure moments, that's who I think would come down to it. One of our other topics tonight, and I don't want to jump right from this one yet because I want Simon's input here. But is also like, what's the storyline for this year? Like the players, like coming out of 2020, what did we see that kind of tips us off to a storyline? It used to be, right? It used to always be Paul versus Ricky. Like that was always like a big, big, big storyline. I don't feel like that's, it's it's there. The history's there. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like the storyline is the same right now. Now, that's separate. What do you think? Do you think any, if this plays to anybody's favor, Simon? Like, that style of play? Like, you have to be able to get into the Final Four. Like, you've got to play good enough tournament play. But then does it fit anybody's, like, out of the players who could do that? Does match, play, does match play, like, favor anybody right now on tour? Like, what's, what, okay, let me ask it this way. What wins match play? The thing, it's really not, I, th I was listening to Nate Heinel talk about it last week as well because I wanted to know his point of view and it's not really that different than stroke play. I think it kind of gives a bit of an advantage to those players that aren't these incredible, consistent players. Because if I build in a double or triple bogey during a round in match play, it won't really hurt me as much. I, I mean, I'll drop one throw. Instead of in tournament play, I would drop three or four strokes to the rest of the field yeah. with one terrible hole. So I guess, I guess it just evens out the field a little bit. But thinking about that only the top four players at the end of four 
rounds on that course are going to be playing. So it's like those are going to be the most consistent guys anyway. So I think at whoever makes it to the final four for the match play rounds, it's like it's anyone's game. And I don't think anyone would really have an advantage. Yeah, I think Nick wants to follow up. Yeah. So kind of my follow up to that is I couldn't remember what course they're playing. And then I remember it's IDGC, you know, the Hall of Fame classic course that they play down in Georgia. And you got to think of previous winners of that event. Paul's won it. Um, Calvin Heinberg has won it. Ricky obviously won Worlds there. So you got to think of players who are great woods players because it's a completely wooded course. There's not a single wide open hole there. Um, Every single hole is somewhat in the woods. So I think you have players like Adam Hammes went to a playoff of that event. Chris Dickerson's obviously deadly in the woods. Greg Barsby got second place at that tournament before. Like There are so many different players who could step it up at that course. But I think when you talk about the consistency that's going to happen and when people know it's a major, it's on the line, who in the last five years has stepped up the most in majors? Obviously, Paul and Ricky, Greg Barsby, and you know those are players who... Uh, Greg with 2018 Worlds, obviously, but mostly... In that span, it's been Paul and Ricky who have really stepped it up at major events. So, again, I'm going to throw this over to Simon because he's got the most experience. I don't know with match play. How how many match play style events? I think you did the DDO. Was that what it was? Was that the one that was on CBS? Did you do that? Um, well, cash? That's, a, that's a skins match. Oh, skins. oh sorry, yeah. skins. Yeah, I did it has a, it has Skins might have a similar It has a feeling. slightly similar feel. The only thing that's kind of different with that is if, like, um, you know, if three holes in a row simon and i tie the holes it pushes but then on that fourth hole when oh, he right. gets it he gets four skins right that's the so difference. that's kind of the main difference of it but so let me ask um you mentioned just a minute ago like it plays similar to stroke play and that's kind of the mindset i had the difference is it's kind of plays like this is how i see it it plays like stroke play with something on the line like let's say you were going into the final few holes and you needed a, a, a like one-up stroke kind of a deal like it mm-hmm. plays with more of an urgency would you agree with that it allows for more highlights because and at some point a player will have absolutely nothing to lose on a hole and if you have yep. nothing to lose you'll try crazier stuff and then more exciting stuff can potentially happen and the only other event i can think of where i have done it is the president's cup where you play nine holes of match play and nine holes of stroke play with europe versus the u.s of course and uh yeah, that stroke play round, you always you get matched up with your American, or if I'm the European team, of course. Actually, I'm wearing the shirt right now, which is nice. sweet. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's Team Europe, and uh, yeah, I, I had to face off Paul McBeth a couple times. I played Nico, and last time we played, I played Eagle, and it is definitely kind of a different mental game because it's just a one-on-one kind of scenario, which in disc golf you like rarely get unless you're having like a race for first. I've heard, you know, the argument that like, well, yeah, but a hole erases if you if you have a blow up hole. But like my thought is. It's true, I guess, if you think of that mindset, but at the same time, the people you're not going to I don't think you're going to see a 10 on a hole, as I've heard some people rave about like that's like, yeah, you're not going to see that on a hole. I mean, I feel like the worst this is my opinion. The worst you're going to see would be double bogey, but Mm -hmm, maybe bogey. Because you're trying hard off the tee pad. Again, Simon would know better than I, but you're going to try harder to make sure that you get what that hole is averaging. Meaning if everybody's getting birdies, that's what you need to get. Like as as in as the whole stats show, right? That's what you would do. You'd step up to and be like, dude, 80%, 85% of people deuce this. Like that's what I need to do in match play. 
I'm, I'm curious, I'm kind of thinking about this, and someone had just written, Travis Hawkinson had wrote, how often does match play actually go to the last hole for the win? And for Matt and I, we play New England Team Challenge to where one round that we do is singles match play. Um, for us, I mean, that could potentially happen a lot more often with your match going to last hole. I don't know if it does for you, but it has for me a couple times. And then um, I think in the pro division, when we're talking about, let's say, that final four players, to me, it's going to be fun to watch when it happens, if it happens. But at the same time, you know, if say you do Paul and Ricky, they're both probably going to birdie hole one. And then they're both probably going to birdie hole two. And then they're both probably going to par hole three. Like there's, I don't think there's going to be like, I don't think one player is going to blow out the other one, which yeah. Cause then at hole 18, it's really fun who gets it. But I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if like both matches just straight up push. You but, know. but this was okay. So but now then you got to go to a playoff, and I, but, I don't know. Bro, welcome to the show, Brody. Um, we're talking match play right now. Yeah, we're, t- we're talking the fourth major and just kind of he, the you'll, you'll have to rewind. We're not actually talking if it should be part of the major, we're just saying if it is. Mm-hmm. So, my thought is here, and you alluded to this. You said it's like stroke play, Simon, in this sense. If somebody goes out and plays a course record, I, I guess you can't guarantee it, but if someone goes out and plays a, and I know they're not tracking score. Like, they're not tracking strokes. I get that. But, like, let's just say you you told someone, hey, go play stroke play, but really they're playing match play. Like, if they won a course record, if they got a course record, are they most likely to win their match play? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it could go the other way. Like, if they got, like, I mean, three mathematically, holes, yes, it can. It's possible. But like, it's very unlikely. If someone, like, played just as well as them, except for, like, a few holes where they played bad and then they played average, maybe. But statistically, I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is the argument here for that style play. Now, again, we're not really talking yet. Should that be a major? Yeah. Who would win it? And I guess my point is the top four that would win any tournament are going to make it in. Mm-hmm. So we have a pool of what ten players, maybe, maybe fifteen, to see who would make it into the top mm-hmm. four. And then from there, if you put, I don't know. I feel like from a fan's perspective, it's going to be a show because I want to see Paul go against Simon. Like, I want to see, like, that would be a show. And I'm getting excited thinking about it right mm-hmm. now. Like, we're again, should or shouldn't it? We're going to talk about that right after. Yeah. We're running into about two minutes out from Judge That Disc Golfer. We are going to talk about should it be part of the show. Yeah. But who do Honestly, you think I would think win? I think that's just going to be the whole show this week. <laughs> who do you think would win? The fourth major. Who do you think would win? Paul uh, versus Simon, really. And this is no offense to if, either of those players. If Simon's elbow's all good, I'm, I'm always rooting for my boy Simon, you know. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I just personally, I... It's hard to beat Paul. People obviously have done it, but I think when it matters the most, Paul has shown himself to be the most qualified person to win an event. So, and then Paul's, but, my, Paul's my best friend, so I'm always rooting for him. So you don't, okay, again, I keep trying to jump into that topic about like stroke play mattering. Yeah. I, I feel like, but see, I feel like match play, and maybe I'm crazy, can go to Simon because there's a few holes or there's a handful of holes where he might be able to get there. Yeah. Now we're talking with him right in the room. Like, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you have any advantage with, with your distance? The, the thing in disc golf is that let's say the top 30 or 40 guys, we all have our form dialed. We're not really working too much on form. What we're working on is consistency and confidence because that's at the end of the day, kind of what golf is all about is being confident of what you're about to do and then committing to your decisions. And I think the most interesting part about this format would be how 
mentally, as stroke play round feels, if I'm playing a two-player tournament with me and Paul and we're playing stroke play, how would that feel? Or we're playing match play, how would that feel where it's just me against Paul, literally? Mm-hmm. And you've never done that before? I mean, I have played Match against, play with Paul? Played, yeah, I he's done played, match play. I've played Paul twice, and I've lost <laughs> twice. <laughs> and uh, I think... I'm not sure if it was just you, the the crowd size or the President's Cup style and just everything that was on the line. But I think it was more challenging mentally to play match play one-on-one against Paul than it would have been if it was just another stroke play round. So I think that is the biggest challenge and the biggest difference is how it will feel like mentally to yeah. be like, okay, this is just me against him. And what's also stressful about that is you only have one chance. Like in a four-round tournament, if Simon loses the first round by three strokes against Paul, he has a second round to make that up. Paul might not play as well the next day, or Simon might not play as bad the next day. But in match play, you only have, you potentially only have 10 holes to play match play. If Simon just murders Paul in 10 holes, then he wins. Will that happen? I don't yes. think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, I've, I do enjoy match play a lot. Yeah. Definitely for the viewer. They're going to enjoy it. I Brody, guess Brody brought up a brought up a quick point, which I actually did want to talk about eventually on the show. Is this is why cards need to be two people and not four? And I want to talk about that because that's how golf does it. <laughs> okay, but we're going to do that, that later. Down. I would love down. to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to do that later. So Brody, in like thirty minutes, remind us that again, please. Write that down. Um, we are just about to bring in um our judge that disc golfer guest tonight. We have never met this individual. We are trying something totally new, which involves bringing someone on live and doing it together. So we're going to give that a try. Um, let's see how this goes. To start it off, we can't miss out on um, our intro. Here we go. Judge That Disc Golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. Okay. Oh, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, we're, we changed things up a little bit. I can't bit. hear you. Okay. He's on, saying he, he can't hear us right now. He can't hear us. So, Nick, talk through what Judge That Disc Golfer is. So, <laughs> for I anyone new, there was actually someone earlier commented they're from Ho- the Big Island in Hawaii. So, I thought that was pretty cool. But um, what we do for Judge That Disc Golfer is we usually take a random guy or girl, and Matt will go out to the course, find them, and ask them a series of questions. The object of the game is Matt is going to ask a question. And then Simon and I are going to try to determine what the best answer is. So, you know, the first question is always, how far can you throw? I would say 350 feet. Simon would say 400 feet. Whoever is closer in the distance part. Um, so I'm not hearing any audio from your end, but I know my audio is on because I just uh, tested it. Yeah. The, <laughs> so he can't. This is going to be crazy. He can't. He can't hear us, but we can hear him. So oh boy. Yeah, so we might have to call him back. Do you have his do you have a Skype and see if he has headphones? Try putting those in. Yep. Um so we're gonna try okay. the um Let's see the note. Oh, do I have headphones? Maybe that'll work for him. Anyway, so that's uh, kind of the object of Judge That Discord. I don't have them plugged in, but more than likely Simon's gonna win it because I always lose and then I owe him lunch and <laughs> Okay. Shout out to Matt for multitasking. This <laughs> yeah, is very impressive. Exactly. <laughs> he, Oh, 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 he can oh, hear us now. Welcome. All right. So now you can hear us, right? That's what you're saying. Yes, I can hear you. Hi there, guys. <laughs> Sweet. How's it going? Welcome. So this it is... is great. <laughs> I even got my own little Mando signs. That's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> that's clever. So to put it out there for everybody, 
you and I have never met before, correct, Mark? Correct. Okay. We are complete and total strangers. We are complete and total strangers. Nice. So here's how it's going to work. You um, were briefed on the show a little bit, more or less. We want to yep. get to know you a little bit, and then we play a little segment like we just did the intro for, Judge That Disc Golfer. So you're going to be judged tonight in a friendly way, of course, on your disc golf game. Now, typically, I run into somebody at Maple Hill and interview them before they get in or after their round, but we're going to try this tonight with you um, in your home studio. It looks like a nice setup there, so let's get to know you a little bit. Um, would you All tell right. us um, a little bit about your disc golf history, uh, your game? Well, uh, I started playing when I was in college a long time ago, so I've been playing over 40 years, so before courses actually even were created. Um, but it was never a serious thing. It was just something fun. I used to play urban golf uh, when I was in college and um, just, you know, hitting people all the time. And uh, then it was just kind of on and off as I moved around the country. Um, and then I guess in Orlando about 10 or 15 years ago, I started playing a little more often, but I, I work a lot. Uh, I'm in film and TV, so I don't get a chance to get out very often. And then during COVID, uh, earlier this year, I started taking it more seriously and going out once or twice a week to the point where now I have a nine hole course in my backyard too. That's awesome. Insane. That's it, the dream right there. I've got somebody, oh, it's awesome. I've got somebody commenting right now. They're like, maybe what if this is Matt looking for a new co-host? <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show. So can we find out a little bit more about you? In fact, Without asking the questions that we usually use on the show, I'm going to let each of you, if you have any questions to kind of get to know him a little bit, you can ask it. So I'll ask the first one, which is, um, you already said how long you've been playing disc golf. Um, do you have a PDGA rating? I do not have a rating. Do you have a PDGA membership? Like, do you have a number? Yes, I do. Okay, so there was a rating associated with that one point, or was that before ratings? Uh, no, I, mean, I, just, I just joined a few weeks ago. Oh, nice. okay, that's my question. Anybody else have any questions? Yeah, are, are you still in Florida? No, I'm in Atlanta now. Okay, what's the longest hole on your course? Oh, on my home course, it's uh, 195 feet. Sweet. It's right. mostly That's... a par two course. Yeah. I've got two par threes on it. That's awesome. Uh, do you, Have you ever played a tournament? I have not. Okay. Ooh, that's another good one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me ask this on your home course, but let's go to like an average size course, 18 holes. Um, okay. how, how many birdies do you usually finish under par or over par? Over par, but I do shoot birdies just okay, more nice. bogeys. Any other, any other questions? Let's see if the chat has any, um, do you play Oregon park? I'm not familiar with Oregon park. Uh, what is that course in Atlanta? Isn't it uh, Oregon I don't Park? know. I've only I've never been to. Well, I've been to Atlanta to go to the airport, but I've never played. In there are so many courses here. It's oh actually, gosh, I'm it's sure. Really great. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Oh, no, uh, no. this is a good one from Ken. Uh, what is your favorite disc in your bag? Uh, my favorite disc is the Eclipse. Wow. Do you want right. to tell me what the Eclipse is, guys? Because I feel like I'm out of the loop. What is the Eclipse? It's a it's a driver, okay. it, but it's one that I have a lot of control over, especially with my uh, forehand. Nice. It's really old school. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Are well. you calling me old? Is that what this is? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we brought We're you about on. about to find, find out. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Someone went on already and found your um, PDGA number, and it's like 161423. There you go. So wow, our live that audience. Is scary. 
Yes. Our live audience is yeah. ready to judge you as well as we are. It's going to be all in good fun. Um, so let's go ahead and do this. Now that we got the intros out of the way, let's do the intro one more time. Here we go. Oh, uh, I thought here we go. Just for fun. <laughs> That's an insane drawing. Okay. No, That's we aren't going to do it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me see. What, what, what does this pull up? Nothing? Okay. Nope. So, all right. Here we go. We're going to judge you. So the first question okay. is, and we ask everybody this, how far can, now don't answer yet. How far can you throw a disc? Now it's between us because we've never done this live before. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about you a little bit here. So sit quiet while we do. Would you write down your answer? Do you have something you know, like a phone or something? You could write the answer down so we know you keep it, what your answer is. All right. So I, I can do it, but my, I do have a question about that question. Uh oh. Is, is this the longest I have thrown or my average long? So what we're going to do is this. We're not going to give you a de definition on that. How far can you throw a disc? That's, that's how we're going to ask it. And that's how we always ask it. So I, I'm okay. going to, I'm going to go ahead and start the uh, conversation here based off of everything you said. You got that written down right there, Mark. Okay. I do. Um, based off, don't show me <laughs> based I'm off not. everything he says, I'm going to say that I feel, this is the first time, by the way, I'm pretty excited about it. This is the first time I've ever played. Yeah, Judge Matt, Matt actually gets to play for one. Wow. All right. I think that he throws, what he's going to write down is that he throws 310 feet. That's my answer. Simon, what do you got? All right. Knowing that the Eclipse is his favorite disc, and I've thrown the Eclipse recently in one of my vlogs when I was comparing it to uh, a Discmania distance driver. Um, that how far is, did you throw it? I cannot throw that disc <laughs> over 400 feet, I think. He's judging you. He goes, how far can you throw it? Yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't <laughs> Not really, judging, I'm curious. It doesn't really compare to uh, the disc that we throw on a regular basis nowadays. Yeah. Um, still very fun to throw, obviously, and... Uh, what was I? I'm going to go for 260. 260. What did you say, I said 310. All right, I'm going to go 280. Right Two, in the middle. Yeah. 180. All right. So that's the way this game is played. The chat board is coming in with numbers everywhere. I think the highest I see is 360 or no, 375. Um, not much lower than 270. So, all right. Go ahead, Mark. How far all right. can you throw it? I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to give you the one I wrote down and I'm, then I'll qualify. All right. What'd you write down? 320. This is what, Boom. on my really long ones, mm -hmm. I'm getting around 320. I average closer to 270, 275. Nice. There we go. Either I know how this game yeah, is either played. You get the point or I get the point. So <laughs> I feel like I've done this with enough players now, like interview them. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to be amazing, Nick. Maybe you're going to owe me lunch. You might. We'll have to do it tonight. We'll give you that one. You totally <laughs> take the point. So let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Here we go. Question number two. And the question goes like this. If we were to hand you a stack of putters, 10 of them, and you were to stand at circle's edge, so approximately 33 feet, 10 meters, okay? Um, okay. No jump putting, so you're going to stand still with a stack of 10 putters. Um, on an average day, how many of them are going to go in the basket out of 10? <clears throat> All right. Uh, we're going to let Simon go first here. Okay. He has a short little pitch and putt course in his backyard, which means lots and lots of putting. He's calling them par twos. 
He might be parking every hole. We don't know. I don't know. I feel like putting is probably his uh, strong suit. Bread and butter is that a determining? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm gonna say he's gonna write down a solid seven. A seven's, a seven? really, seven, <laughs> seven's a really good one because I wanted to say seven. Seven is always <laughs> such a good. Answer. Now I can go. You know, I'm gonna go. I'll do six. So that's um, either gonna take the over or under. I'm right going. Now. I'm going under he's five. Going under my answer is five. I I think. The previous rules I allowed said that we could all yeah. guess the same numbers, but we're no. not going that way. No. Five. I'm saying five. Mark, what's your answer to how many putts would go in with a stack of 10 from Circle's Edge? You know what? I'm actually going to test this tomorrow because I haven't tried 10 in a row Circle's Edge. I want to know for certain. But my assumption would be about half. Half of them. So five. Matt, that's two for two. Fire. That is two for two. Wow. I am I'm so happy to finally participate. Making half from 30 feet is actually pretty solid. Yeah. And what you guys don't know is I already asked him all these questions. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who you are. Yeah. I set it all up. Have we ever met? (laughs) Oh meanwhile, that's the trips Matt's been going to Atlanta for. Okay, so here's how it goes. Question number three. We are going to give you the option of four different... Um, let me ask this question first. Do you have any tattoos? No. I do not. Okay, no tattoos. But if you were to get your first tattoo, and it was going to be a disc golf tattoo, okay, there's four options for you. There is the single basket, all right? I'm going to put your face up here, so if you make any reactions, we know what you're thinking about. The single disc golf basket... He's doing a poker face now. (laughs) And then there is the doink putt. It's a picture of a basket with a putter hitting the front rim. Then you have the 360 drive of the Tasmanian Devil. Okay, so throwing a a Frisbee, the Tasmanian Devil. And then finally, your last option would be a disc golf phrase. Something like grip it and rip it or like death putt. Okay, so these are your options for tattoos. Would you go ahead and think about that for a second and write down your answer while we talk? Nick, you are up I first. get the first one, and, you know, I know he's a movie. He's a TV show guy, works in the film industry. Tasmanian Devil is part of the film industry, so I'm going to go with the 360 Tasmanian Devil, hoping that that's the correct answer. Okay, are you okay with this one, <laughs> seeing as it's Do-do. so limited to let no. people choose the same? Nope, you have to choose this one. So then Simon's just screwed. <laughs> he's just going to get whatever is left over. Yeah, I'm happy with that's that. Fine. Okay. He's I'm like, looking up courses in Atlanta right now, so I'm busy. <laughs> okay. Um, I got the best course. Just come play here. <laughs> I definitely want to. I think, man, that was a good one, Nick. And way to judge him like that. I'm going to go with the single basket. Um, single basket. I think that's just, Very nice. that's probably it. Because he doesn't have, see, here's the deal. He doesn't have tattoo. Yep. So if he got one, I don't know. Maybe he'd just go very basic. Or he'd be go wilding out. He could go wild. All right, Simon, Simon, what do you think? You find a course yet, or you have an answer for tattoos? I'm just so upset that Oregon Park was wrong. Oh, it is Oregon Park. It's in Atlanta. So I was right. Mark, <laughs> go check out Oregon Park if you get a chance. It's my favorite course in that area. I will try it. Okay, sorry. Absolutely. But your tattoo of choice. The doink is left, since we said that's the rules. The doink is left, and the disc golf phrase. Yeah. Definitely the disc golf phrase being par two. <laughs> par two. <laughs> All right, Mark. You you are uh, on here. Go ahead. All right. Well, 
if you told me I had to put it on my private parts, I'd probably do grip it and rip it. But that is not going to be my answer. Good night. You're right. I am in the entertainment industry. Uh, I storyboard and produce animation along with working on a lot of big live action projects. So, of course... Let's go. It would have to be Taz. I, Let's come on, go. Really, there's no question. Exactly. Of it's Taz. So. Exactly. Yeah. So. I'm a child of the 70s, guys. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. It, we usually ask a follow-up question where you'd get the tattoo, but based off your other question, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> we say, where is he going to get it? And we'll go around and guess. But uh, that's pretty funny. That, that was really, that that was really good. Okay. Um, so we, you usually ask a few other questions and let's go ahead and do that. So wait, you got that right. So you have yep. one, I have two. Yep. All right. Question. Simon's over here dealing with. Simon should courses. get one just cause he's got a great name. Exactly. Come on, Mark Simon. Simon Lazat. Oh, yes. Yeah. See Simon. Hey, it's like when I introduce you guys, I say Simon, Simon, Mark, 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 Simon. See, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> That's the way <laughs> he confused the hell out of Simon. <laughs> No, I saw that and instantly thought we should get married. <laughs> that was so actually my have, first thought. Now we have Simon oh, Simon. You tease you. Okay, this is awesome. I love this show. <clears throat> okay, so I forget what question. This would be question four. four. All right, this one, this one, you can pick the same answer. There's only three options, okay? And it is. If you were to play your first tournament round, Mark, and you had to have unfavorable weather conditions. And the weather conditions are either rainy, significant rain, not just a light drizzle. Okay, you need an umbrella and it's hard to stay dry. Um, snowy, and we're talking about at least, you know, two, three, four inches on the ground and it's still snowing. Or windy. And when I say windy, I'm talking about like at least 20 miles an hour plus. Okay, so maybe gusts up to 30, but it's really windy out. Um, what okay. what weather condition would you choose for your first tournament round? And I guess I get to start. <laughs> He's down near Atlanta. And it's not a lake up here. I, now I, to be fair, let me give you a little info here. It just okay. snowed. I have lived literally north, south, east, and west in this country. I've lived in the snow. I've lived in Canada. I've lived in Denver. I've lived in the East. I've lived out in Los Angeles. I've lived in Louisiana and Texas. So I've lived all different types of weather. Hmm. So okay. So now you don't. I don't want to say Atlanta it. doesn't necessarily tell you anything. I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. You've been playing a long time. If I had to guess, most people aren't going to choose the snow. Mm, I don't feel like mo I feel like wind is always a safe bet. So I'm going to go with wind. wind. Wind is a safe bet. That's that's my answer that. is wind. Uh, Simon, you're up. Snow. Funny, I was actually going to say snow. You can. I gave yeah. the option to yeah. do that for this I'm going to say snow as well. Okay, so snow is all around. I said wind. Uh, Mark, if you're going to choose unfavorable weather conditions, what do you go with? Well, my the reason for my answer will tell you a lot about me. And it's I like a challenge, but I also like comfort, <laughs> which means... No way in hell will it be in snow. <laughs> Figures. And I really don't like getting rained on. Wind doesn't bother me. Doesn't mean I can play with a dam in it, but I don't mind the challenge. I, I'm look. Everyone's under the same constraints as I would be. Yep. But at least I'd be comfortable. Exactly. So I would choose wind. Unless it's a cold, rainy, 
windy round. Windy day. <laughs> I would snow. not be. I would not be playing. So with that don't out. move north right now. I then. would not be playing. <laughs> um. So there's another point for me. Yep. Three. Now, can we can we alter that and say? He said comfortable, though. I don't think he would. I was going to say, sometimes we offer up the option to say, would you like to play in cold weather, like extremely cold, like zero degrees over any of those others? Would you choose yes or no to that? No. Okay. Part of snow is being cold. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a warm, yeah. snowy day. No, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's called slush. <laughs> Slushy day. Okay, so um, I think we have one left, maybe two. We'll see how this goes here. But we're going to ask the question, how many aces do you have all right so we ask how many aces do you have mark in your 40 years of disc golf hole in ones um what do you what do you guess i think it's simon right yeah can we get a quick score update i have three three, 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 one one, zero zero sorry all right so this is again who's closest to uh his ace count yes you needed an update to know you had zero points (laughs) i just wanted to know how far behind i was i wasn't sure but thanks (laughs) And we are we are including your backyard course. Anything you base there, we are including it. We are including. Okay. Yep. Well, assume. Okay. Yeah. No. Hold on. We just ask him the question. We don't do definitions. Forty years. <laughs> I mean, wow. That's that's so hard to say. Even if he, I mean, he probably doesn't know the exact number, so he's gonna guess forty. I'm gonna go with Four, forty aces. Hold yeah. on, that's the highest number we've ever yeah. had on this. Well, show. he's also he's Mark's been playing the longest out of anyone we've ever had on Judge That Disc Golfer. So, and he has his own course in his backyard. Has he? Yeah. He's oh, the oldest for years. oldest for Judge That Disc Golfer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Like the okay. oldest person. Okay. Like, who's you. been playing the longest? Right. Not the oldest person who's been playing the longest. <laughs> Shout out um, to Chuck what? Kennedy. Eh? Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. He has six aces. Six aces. Forty years. He's going to write down 20 plus. He's going to write down 20 plus as in like, um, I lost count. I lost count. So, um, okay. I'm going to say 20, 20 plus, but I'm going to say 21. All right. 21. Okay. So 21 is what we guessed or I guessed and you heard the rest. What do you got? Okay. He's holding it up. One. One. Who said one? I said six. I was going to say four, but then I went, no. I went, I went with six. One. I've only had one. It was a long one and a blind, but um, yeah, just one. Good for a you. A lot of teasing, a lot of change. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, and I think I think that's how we're going to wrap it up. That's Yeah, that's usually how. That's, <laughs> those are usually the five questions. So, Mark, we appreciate you. Judge that yeah. disc golfer. <laughs> Game show yeah, where you fun. judge a disc golfer you've never met. Doing a character review soon too. All right, hold on. So let's just be clear, Nick. Who do you owe a lunch now? I owe it to Matt. <laughs> I owe it to Matt. You should see his face, guys. Yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, he's really Matt's, he's Matt's one for right one now. and judge that disc golfer. Mark, this question came up because we had talked about how you're in the film industry, and I think it's very intriguing because yeah. I love watching TV and I love watching movies, especially. But give us kind of like the five most recognizable movies or TV shows that you've been a part of and what you do for work? Uh, I'm a story artist. Uh, I also direct and produce, but I'm known mostly as a story artist. Uh, so I've been working on Stranger Things and uh, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. I'm also storyboarding the new Dexter series, and I did the original Dexter series. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Doom Patrol. Oh, I did Flight Attendant that just uh, got nominated for a couple 
uh, Golden Globes. Gotcha. Uh, Creep Show, Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you follow the lot, over 5,000 productions so I mean it's kind of hard to remember yeah so. that's insane wow. I mean I, I when Matt was saying earlier you were a part of Stranger Things I thought that was incredible because I actually I loved watching Stranger Things and I've watched it with friends and by myself and everything like that but mm-hmm. The Walking Dead I never really super got into but Stranger Things was kind of that, that sold me so thanks for reaching out to the show um, do, you, do you follow the pro tour at all or are you just a casual disc golfer who's done it for 40 years uh, I, well, this past year I've really gotten into it. I mean, I watch every day, um, listen to the podcast, listen to you guys. Awesome. Oh, so, so, so you're a story, that. you're yeah. a storyboard kind of guy. What do you think the storyline, yep. <laughs> if you're really into it, do you see any storylines for uh, 2021? Has anything just creeped into your head where you're like, I'm, uh, I could write a nice story off of this. Has anything stood out to you? Put well, you know, uh, uh, Brody trying to get to a thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a storyline that that's kind of worth following. Um, wow. But you know, other than that, you know, it's just see who creeps to the top, you know, and hopefully if with the vaccine, if enough people get vaccinated, we can actually have people going out and watching uh, live again. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, shoot in 2022, there's potentially going to be a fourth major, what, two and a half hours away from you over at, uh, I will be there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've, I've already made plans. I've already told my friends and family that, uh, they're either coming with me or they're not going to see me for that week. Yep. yep. So I definitely plan to be there. Very nice. Well, cool. thank you so much for coming on. I think we'll try this again in the future. You didn't totally bomb it where we won't do it. So it was, no, like, great. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, fantastic. this was yeah. our first time going live with this. And so anybody that's checking out the show right now, we've got 300 people watching, which to us is we're super grateful. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you guys so much for the, uh, the views here. Um, we'll definitely do this. Stay tuned. Cause if we try it again, we're going to yep. reach out. All you got to do when we ask, don't do it every day. When we ask is send a video, who you are, maybe some interesting fact about yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause we want to see what you're like on camera. We don't want to just hear something, read something typed out. Cause we're going to bring you on camera. All right. So thank you so much. Um, Mark Simon for coming on the show and, um, we will catch up another time. Stay, stay in touch. Sounds great. Take it Thanks easy, Mark. everyone. Good meeting you guys. All right. Peace. Bye. See you, Mark. All right. Bye. Okay. So that was, what did you Ooh. think of that, Nick? That was awesome. That was really fun. Mark was a super intriguing, very, I love it when one of our guests, whoever we have on just has great quality to where they're not freezing. They have good headphones. They have good, you know, sound quality and everything like that. It just makes it a lot easier to be able to have conversations with them. So that was very fun. I thought he was a good sport with the whole thing. And, uh, I, I would talk to him all night about different <laughs> movies and TV shows that he's done. Like literally I obsess over watching movies. So. And, I asked him like right on the spot, like what's the storyline? And I'm not going to lie for him to just come up with it. Mm-hmm. Like I would have just sat there yeah. and been like, eh. I think it's really cool. He said over the last year, he's really gotten into it. He's watching it every day. And you know, the whole Brody Smith trying to get to a thousand, who's going to rise to the top. Cause I think this was actually a topic that we were going to talk about tonight is there are more people rising to the top right now in disc golf than there has been in a long time. So I think it's very, you know, I think it's a curious subject to talk about who, we think is going to make it up there. Okay. Before, right before we jump into this, this topic that we've been teasing out before judge that disc mm-hmm. golfer, which is more or less, I want to hear Nick's thoughts. Cause he came in tonight before the show and was like, I've got some thoughts on this fourth major. Yeah. And, um, I been doing some thinking as well. And we've obviously got a touring player, um, Simon, which by the way, I, I apologize, everybody. I totally did like a clickbait YouTube title. I said, Simon Lazat, not on tour, question mark. 
That's so, what you did? Yeah. Clickbait's amazing. Shame. Shame. Clickbait is how you do it. <laughs> but it's not it's not wrong. You're not on tour yet. But, right. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I'm starting the tour before Simon does. <laughs> I just got a Anywho. shame. I got a shame out of Simon. <laughs> I feel like I should go change it right now. Okay. Um, but here, right before we get into that, I heard, and I can't remember where, and I, I usually like to be able to say my sources if, I, if I'm if i going to say something, but I heard ESPN is going to be broadcasting a new disc golf this year. Where did I hear that? Uh, I'm pretty sure Jeff had kind of alluded to it last year at some point where they were in talks of doing more coverage with the sport. And I think CBS had said the same thing, that they do want to be more involved in it. But um, I feel like, I don't know if you've heard it, Simon, I feel like I actually heard, like, yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be back on. Like it's. I like, heard it too, but I don't know if that was public. Yeah, information but that's what I'm not. saying. I don't know where I heard it. Do we either. have insider scoop that we just leaked to millions Maybe, of people? But I'm telling you right now, if it is, it's just random that I just brought it up because yeah. I don't. I'm curious where it would have been because I don't know. I haven't heard about it. I, I, like I, I listen to other podcasts. I feel like I listened to Smashbox and maybe someone alluded to it, like a guest or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. <clears throat> Hey, uh, Mark Simon just messaged me. When I draw the caricature of Simon, I'll send it to you so you can forward it to him. I wonder, like, he draws storylines for movie for right. shows, right? So he oh. must be, like, super quick. I bet he can draw a picture of me in, like, five minutes. Storyboard. probably out. really impressive. Probably. More impressive than I would ever do it. Super pro. <laughs> what, what kind of storyboard do you want him to We can come up with a little story real quick. Like, Simon throwing, hurting his elbow, and then doing Vlogmas. No, <laughs> no I want him drawing a story of me... Throwing without any pain, getting lots of aces and birdies, and waving to the crowd. <laughs> That's the story right. I want. Right. You nice. heard it there, Mark. Okay, so nice. let's go ahead and jump into it here. Nick, just share with me what you've been thinking about this week, the fourth major. You said you've talked to yep. some other pros, so but I, you have your own opinion as I well. T- so go yeah, ahead and I, lay I, it on us. I talked to some pros about it. And actually, Eagle and I talked a bunch last week when we were talking about it during the show. Um, him and I messaged each other a couple times afterwards. and. I kind of, with talking with other people and reading Ulti World's um, little thing that they came out with, I do completely agree that disc golf majors should be determined by stroke play events, whether it's three rounds or five rounds or seven rounds. I do think that majors should be determined by uh, stroke play. And the reason I say that, and Nate had kind of alluded to this last week, was they wanted something different. They wanted kind of this wow factor. In disc golf, that first major, like just the tournament itself being a major is a wow factor. When you put, you know, hey, four rounds at IDGC, it's a major. That's going to put a wow factor into it just in general, especially for the spectators, because it's like, wow, it's a major. This is when players are really going to prep for it. Like this is one of those tournaments that everyone wants to win. And um, so I just personally think that, like, I know the PDGA wants to make something kind of completely different, but I don't think. I think a stroke uh, match play tournament would be an incredible idea to do for fun. Uh, I shouldn't say for fun. Like there should be a big tournament that is a match play one, but I don't think it should determine whether someone has a major win in their career or not. What are you? This is my own personal. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to push you on it. What, what that's your opinion of what a major should be. Yeah. And others, obviously we're hearing that out there, Mm -hmm. but where does that even come from? Is this historical? Is that where we're basing it off of? Like, oh, there's three others? I mean, I w- or is it like, what is it being based off of? Because yeah. the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship, now it's not a major, mm-hmm. but is it purely because of the format? Is the format so gimmicky that like that, why did that event get so much exposure as a Pro Tour Championship? 
Well, I think that event obviously has the prestigious in it is because every player right now is playing the Pro Tour events and winning the Pro Tour finale. You know, years ago it was $10,000 and then this year it was a $20,000 event with ESPN being, you know, people who are covering the event. So honestly, just slapping ESPN on it makes it more of a prestigious event and something that a lot of players want to get on because they have the potential of being on ESPN2 and being on that kind of disc golf coverage. I mean, I think that ended up in and of itself made it kind of more doesn't make it more of a prestigious event but it makes it more of an event that people want to go to people want to win um i think the reason why lately any events on the pro tour are becoming more and more prestigious is because of what jeff jeff spring and company are doing um jeff spring is really he's working with the pdga and he's working with the players and he's just he's keeping us all in the loop of what's going on in everything. And I think just the way that he is doing it is creating the pro tour to be the most prestigious tour besides for majors, obviously. Well, so that's, I guess my question is, okay. So Simon, I'm just going to ask you a few questions as the touring pro in the room. All right. What to you makes an event special? Like in general, you're going to think of a handful of events that Mm -hmm. are special. Does USDGC come to mind? Yes. Okay. What else do any other, what other tournaments? Uh, European Open, pretty much Worlds, wherever it is. So a major. It, yes, I mean... Hey, three for three in majors. For one, <laughs> the course. Yeah. And then, I guess, the title, of course. Um, The atmosphere, like how big do galleries get there. And for me, honestly, also kind of where it is. Like how many things can you do off the course. For me, like when I know we have a, two tournaments coming up in Portland, Oregon, like that's one of my favorite places to hang mm-hmm. out in the in the US so I'm always excited for those. Mm-hmm. Where I'm going with this and I'm trying to set up for discussion. <clears throat> what I heard that Nate Heinold and committee were trying to accomplish is make it so that it could be that event that already has that thing, okay? So like you go to USDGC and it has that thing. I guess that feeling, okay? Um you technically the weird part to me is that the event was just like, here it is. The first year, it will be that way. If it started out, and tell me what your feeling is on this, Simon and Nick. If it started out as a smaller event, let's say, and just grew, and it was just a special event, and it grew, 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 and eventually it was just like, this is like really special. Let's make it a major. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, this is all hypothetical, but do you think we would have gotten as much pushback as like just being released like this is a major? Like, are you talking about a stroke play, match play format tournament yeah, the happening same thing. five years ago? And then and not as a major. Yeah. Because here's where I'm going with it. They're trying to do, we're going to create a major and we are, we want it to be something special. And so rather than just doing another four, you said it would be special anyways, just because it's a major, I think, which yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Wait, because. I don't, I don't, I just can't see that like just being like, oh, let's just put a title major on it that now it's just a special event. Yeah, the title is huge, but the event itself, like, it's yeah. kind of like, what would you feel like playing it the first time? Would no, you be I guess like, what you're this saying, is a big major that I'm going to win? What you're saying <laughs> is that the history of the event Matters. plays a big role yeah. in how it feels and if it's worthy to be called a major. Um, I don't know how long USTGC existed before it was called a major. Um, good question, but uh, I, I mean. The thing is that all players, 
I can't say all, but probably like 99% of all players wanted a fourth major because that's what we all the, wanted. The Grand Slam. And uh, I was listening to Nate Heinel last week and was really interested in what he was going to say and how they came to this decision. I don't 100% agree with what they were trying to do. They, they said we wanted to make something unique. Right. And therefore, they made a kind of just a six-round major with two rounds of match play. That is... It's definitely very debatable if that's good or not. But I think as players, our job is to show up and play. Mm-hmm. And hopefully draw a crowd and hopefully draw views on YouTube and stuff. But um, at the end of the day, <laughs> we don't do anything. Like, running a tournament is so much more work than playing a tournament. Yes. And... Uh, I think the only time we should complain about new events, if they're called pro tours or majors, whatever, is if we think it's a, literally a safety issue. That's when we could complain. Or if uh, we think it's literally slowing down the growth of the sport. And I don't know if any of those two apply to this new major, but I, I guess that's debatable. Hmm. That's so exactly is, what we're talking yeah, about. So this is this is where the conversation kind of swings in two different ways completely. Players have their mindset on this of how they want it, and then fans have another mindset. As a fan's point of view, this sounds like an incredible idea because it's something completely new in the sport. Um, as a player's point of view, they think it's you know kind of a gimmicky way of determining a major. Like I think everyone, but. Like how how but, annoying would it be? What if we talked about this earlier, and I'm just gonna push on a little bit and then finish that. What makes and I didn't hear Simon saying this earlier, but you are. What makes match play gimmicky? Like I think what when makes you, it a gimmick? When you put it down, is to, it not good competition head to head? No, I think it's good competition head to head. But I don't think like if there are four players on the card, I feel like. Yeah, it's two rounds of it, but those four players, like, I don't think competing against one certain player, while there's still two other ones, is the way to determine the major. Like, I think if you're going to determine a major like that, it would have to be a round-robin tournament starting, like, the NCAA March Madness bracket. I would rather see something like that to where, kind of like, I think what they're potentially planning on the All-Star break is something in a similar fashion of that, but... Ooh, you have a little inside scoop. I I think I, you know that's just from. Can I ask because say, you just brought up a great point though, and I don't mean to leave Simon speak up. <laughs> I don't want to bombard you. I'm chilling. Okay. Um. Do you feel better? Would you feel better then? Because based off of what you just said, would you feel better about the top two going to match play? Because now you you aren't having that like you could potentially lose out and two other people are playing yeah. separately. Like, would you feel better? Like, hey. The top two go to match play, and whoever wins that wins. Like that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. But I, I just kind of overthrow disc golf. Just said it. It's not that it's gimmicky. It just is. It isn't how people prepare to play all year. That's kind of annoying. Where you have, let's say, let's say the average pro plays thirty tournaments, twenty nine events. You're signing up, or twenty nine and a half events. You're signing up to prepare for a stroke play event at that course. And then for half an event, you have to prepare for match play against who knows who. I think that's kind of, we're talking about the players who are doing this for a living. And you're kind of throwing them a loop where it's, and obviously everyone, like like Simon said, players are going to play. That's, that's Eagle said it. He's on, like, more than on. likely, I'm going to be He's there in to the play. room with us right now. 
Simon said, if someone shoots a course record, they win. That, to me, doesn't sound like something that they're not practicing for. You guys are all practicing to shoot your best round on a course. If you shoot your best round on a course, like that, you, that's what you're practicing to do, yeah. and you do it, which is what your goal was, there's a very high percentage that you win. Obviously, if both people are doing the same thing, then it comes down to one hole. Well, it does that in stroke play, too. Mm -hmm. It comes down to one hole at the end. We saw it at USDGC. Like, it's like they battled the whole way, and it comes down to one hole. And then if they go to a playoff, it's sudden death. So technically, they both made it there. They qualified, if you will, to go to the playoff. Now, Brody, <laughs> I love Brody in here. He's like, why, Matt? Why? <laughs> my, job is to, my job is to rile the people up. <clears throat> I hear what you're saying. And I'm arguing literally from not a historical preference of like golf and mm -hmm. disc golf, but the literal like, where does the competition, is it, he says it, Brody's saying it's match plays different strategy. I was just going to say, but like, is it different strategy? I feel like in some you're it not, is, you're going to lay up. Yes, yeah, you're gonna I was going to say, up. you're not, you're not going for a course record when you're playing match play though. Because say on the first hole, if you throw it OB long, now you're at a drop zone, you're automatically dropping a, like a four on a hole that's a par three. I might just throw a buzz 200 feet and then throw a putter 100 feet and then tap it in for my par. I'm not playing. But to beat the other player, and this is the point of if Brody, you, it's a different strategy. OB, I'm playing safe now. I'm, I'm only playing for par because you're bogeying the hole. So I, in my mindset isn't to go to that tournament and say, But you're not, yes, you're not a go. number one player in the world. Yeah, but Paul's mindset, if you take... You, <laughs> you think take, Paul would lay up? I think, yeah, if he, if he knows he's getting a point out of it, why wouldn't you lay up? Why would you risk going OB at the same time? That's dumb match play playing. Yeah. You Unless know, you want to. Like, that's, <laughs> like, that's, that would just be stupid. Unless, unless you want to demonstrate pure dominance and say, I'm going to win the major just straight out. You can, you can, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I don't think someone's going to shoot, no one's going to shoot a course record every single time, obviously. It doesn't happen at every single event where someone does a course record. Right. Everyone's playing to win, but you don't have to. Someone could win by shooting five down, five down, five down. Like James Conrad, the year that he won USDGC, it was one of the lowest scoring USDGCs that's happened in a long time. No one was shooting course records. No one was playing completely lights out. Yeah. Like that's people. James Conrad could have gone down to the final hole and said, hey, whoever was in second place, they just threw it OB. All I have to do is go rock, 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 tap in my putter. Oh, I made a 30 footer, but. That's all he has to do. He's not saying, I got to go out there and birdie every single hole. So even in stroke play. at But I guess here's what I'm, and again, Simon, you actually bowed out of the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship this year. Yes. Right. But you've played in it before. Yes. <clears throat> it's an enjoyable event, is it not? Or, I mean, real opinion here. Yeah, yeah. It's different, different strategy, different feeling, but it is definitely fun. Yeah. Different. Did you play it when Steve Dodge had it going? And if you won your cards, you moved on? Yeah. That was fun, too. Yeah. Weird, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but fun. I guess where I'm going with this is where, because I asked Nate. Now, granted, Nate is not the end-all, say-all, and he even said that. What makes a major a major? Is there a rule for that? Is there a, a precedent for that? Technically, the precedent would be Worlds is stroke play. Um, but, like, now I feel like you could start debating, like, how many rounds. And we do that, right? Like people, well, some people liked eight rounds. Some people yeah. like less. Is that what's happening here? Or you're saying it's just something totally different. It's not, a, it's not the same as like saying how many rounds we play. Cause that feels excessive too. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I think four rounds is the perfect amount and that doesn't even include, I think majors should, obviously there should be a cut line, which I think there is at all majors. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is at all majors right now in disc golf. I think Ooh. after three rounds, there's a cut, which I think is incredible to give that final round kind of that most prestigious feel, whether you start the tee times later or you can spread out the tee times even more. Um, but, I mean, I think that's completely – I don't think it's the sake of the rounds. I, I like that Worlds when uh, – last year it was five rounds, the year that Barsby had won it. I think it was four. If I'm not mistaken, they did. So could have been four or five rounds. Five rounds. Was so, it five rounds? Yeah. Okay. So let me ask this because I'm still working through this process in my head. Do you feel like match play in and of itself is gimmicky, Simon? I mean, like the comment said, it's like not really gimmicky. It's Forget the major. It's and like you're going to go out and play like, match play. It's, it's like a different okay. game. Okay. Brody, Brody also said this, and I'm kind of because I'm reading throughout the chat all, all these apparent like answers that I read from the chat are more often than not <laughs> answers that I agree with. But Brody said it's also super dependent on the course. Match play at Eureka Temp Course is going to play kind of be completely different than match play over at IDGC because one course is littered with OB and one course has rougher fairways, but it's not OB. So I think that's also where it's potentially fluky. I don't know if they plan on making this a rotating major, but that's going to have a huge it's gonna part move. in it. They said it. I think it's going to move. If it's going to be a tournament that moves around, okay, one year you have it at Eureka where Nate Sexton has won it by playing great Nate Sexton golf. Yeah or USCGC or something like that. But then you have another year where it's strictly in the woods and it's more of a right-handed backhand dominant course. It's different. So like, I brought this up with Nate and I said like, well, what's to prevent somebody from doing 90 foot holes? And realistically, it's just a jump putt or a putt off like major. <laughs> like, let's just do it. It'd be pretty exciting to watch as, as a fan, right? In some ways, in some ways. And so I guess I'm on board with that. Like there is a limit. And that would seem like one of them to me. So I got to be fair across the board, like changing it up and doing something like match play is pretty different. And we don't see that very many places. I guess where I'm at with this is I don't feel like it's a different strategy. I agree with that. But what is, I don't want to say wrong because we're not arguing right or wrong. We're arguing opinions here. What makes it a bad choice to say, well, at this major, you're going to be tested in two different strategy so like rock climbing we yeah. all we used to bring that up way yeah. back last year there's different disciplines like they have mm-hmm. bouldering mm-hmm. then they have speed climbing and then they have like lead climbing right so there's yeah. different disciplines in disc golf technically the stroke play is all like incorporating all of them like putting driving approaching all that stuff mm-hmm. but could we not say that like match play is another discipline like you have to learn that side to win this major like it is it's I, I I think so we're talking every single well, let's say we're doing NCAA bracket. You have 32 of the best players in the world competing at this event. Every single one of those tournament um every single one of those players is going to have a pretty strong idea about how to play a match play match against someone. You know what I mean? Like the 32 player seed, let's just throw out a random let's say let's say Brody Smith is a 32 seeded player. And I'm only using Brody cuz he's a friend and he's in the chat right now. Say he's the number 32 seed. And he's playing against the one seed, who would be Paul. Brody's mindset might be, I want to scare Paul right off the bat, and I'm going to try to bury the first six holes in a row. And he might not succeed with that. But then Paul just goes, okay, well, this guy is obviously making the clumsy mistakes that he'd be making. I just get to take pars and win holes. So I think that if you're going to have, I, I don't think for the first year that this event is happening, I would rather see this event happen as an A-tier, 
moved into maybe a national tour to a pro tour. And then maybe one day, if it's the world's most incredible tournament in the world, make it a major. That's but a great point. Nick. To do it right off the bat the first year, I think is, I, I personally just think it's a bad idea. I don't see it being, especially in the player's eyes, a successful a successful tournament in their eyes. I think no matter who wins it, I'm going to be happy for the person who wins it. But there's going to be plenty of players who will think that it's the most gimmicky tournament. And obviously, all those players are in the chat right now. I can't speak for exactly how they're feeling. <laughs> but you could see it from Eula Berry's post. He wasn't super yeah. happy about it. Eagle was in our chat last week. Brody's in our chat right now. Simon isn't really on board with it. <laughs> I'm going to throw Simon under the boys, bus. Yeah. You know? But Simon's I guess, not 100% on board with it. I don't think it's a good idea to do it a major right off the bat. I Okay, so I'm kind of with you there. I, that's kind of where I was going with the whole, like, what makes an event, like, special, right? Mm -hmm. And just creating that event out of, like, thin air and saying, here it is, the major, it's kind of like, how, we just slapped a title on a brand new, like, thing, and, like, how is that even special, right? Had this event grown to that place? Well, there was Worlds there, and they had a national tour there for years and years, and I think that yeah. course is worthy, and I think the location... I mean, it's the International Disc Golf yeah. Center. It's definitely worth the title. But no, I totally agree with you guys where you just say, okay, we're just going to, here's a new major, a new format, <laughs> everything different and new. Like, that is that is a bit weird. And everyone just, we all just want, give us a four-round major. We need a fourth major. Just make it four rounds, keep it simple, and everyone will be happy. No complaints. But uh the guys that make it happen just didn't want to do that. They wanted to create something new yeah. and different and unique. Yeah. Because they, because I think it's awkward to just make a major, like just to make it uh, from thin air. So yeah. they're like, if we do this, like that's just weird. Like four but, rounds of this course, it's the new major. Like they felt, and I can't speak the, directly for them, but out of Nate's mouth, it was kind of like we needed to make it be its own thing. And so I think that's what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think you need a major to make something so unique. Like, look at all the talk that this is getting right now. We we're talking about it the last two weeks in a row. I still see pros comment about it right now. Like, the idea of it is obviously super intriguing to people. And uh, a lot of people in the chat have been saying, you know, you can't just slap the title major on it and make it a major. The thing is, is that, like Simon just said, this course has been used for national tour events and large tournaments it's literally the international disc golf center the course itself is an and incredible the TDs, course all of that but yeah. it's but it is they're saying you can't i think that's probably hyperbole meaning like it's awkward that's what i keep going back to it's yeah. kind of like here it is but kind of go back a little bit whether this event happens or not that's an interesting topic as well because we did ask nate on air we said what would it take for you not to have this event in this format and he said if 100 if 100 pro players respond and say like yeah. they will not do it but he said and they were serious he actually followed it up yeah. like serious he goes we'd probably not do it mm -hmm. so it's not for sure i credit them for trying to figure if i was handed the idea of like make a fourth major i probably would have went down similar roads i don't know if i would have came to the same conclusion but i would have said how do you slap major on something and just make it a major like we have to make it special now somebody one of our commenters said this in i, I apologize i didn't get the name for it it's in our youtube chat from last week uh, one of the comments if you want to go check it out it says this um the champions cup will be two phases you have to beat the course to make it to phase two where you have to beat the players 
So when you typically play Simon and Nick, and when I play, I was always taught, and I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I was always taught to play the course. You have a game plan. I'm going to go play the course, and that's how I do it. Is that is that more or less accurate? I mean, in theory, <laughs> yes, but that's way easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I guess where I'm going with that point is, and I loved his comment, because if we look at this major as two phases, you have to go out and beat the course, which puts you in the top four. You Top four is usually you played the course really well. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, to your point, Nick, now the strategy changes where like, yeah, you are going to lay up because now I'm just going to go out and beat that player. Yeah. We made it here. It's the four of the best players. I don't see, like, I see really good play coming out of it. I, I think the chance that it's super gimmicky or weird, like somebody's laying up, is going to be the one off or maybe two or three times during the round. I don't yeah. see it being like a lot of it. I could see the annoyance of this is what potentially could happen. Who are the top four players in the world right now? I'm just going to list my top four. It would be <laughs> list your top. Yeah, four. I would go Paul, Ricky, Calvin, Eagle. I would okay. say those are the top four players in the world right now with very close, like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth being like the Kevin Jones, James Conrad, Simon Healthy, and, you know, whoever could be number eight. But let's say the top four players. Paul goes out like 2015 worlds and just absolutely shreds it goes into the final nine up by like seven, eight strokes. But let's say for those four rounds, he wins the tournament for those first in phase one, he wins it by, you know, nine strokes, but then you have the second best player in the world who shot 15 strokes worse, but technically got fourth place. Excuse me. He got fourth place. So now Paul is playing Eagle and Paul went in beating Eagle by 15 strokes over four rounds. But now there's no real advantage. Like, look at their but ratings. That's, the but ratings that, but are here's right next the deal. to each other. Yeah, but here's the deal. That's not what this major is. This major know, is not win four tur- rounds. It's two different tournaments. It's two different phases. It's like a qualifying for the like the it's, match play. Yeah, it's two different tournaments. Right. And so I'm saying, like, I get, I get your mindset. Like, I'm there where it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, you yeah. don't win after four rounds. But that's not the end of the tournament. Like, that's your, like, top four, get in. Just like, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't think it's gimmicky. And to and I, I give credit to Brody being in our chat. Obviously, there's other people I will as well. But Brody says, I obviously haven't seen match play. I play match play all winter. Like, that's what I do up here in New England. And I'm not, like, an excellent disc golfer. I'm a good, <laughs> I feel like I'm good. But, like, there's not that many holes where I'm just laying up. It's just not that many. Like See, we're, that, we're that's mind blowing for you to say because we play <laughs> Buffenville as the home course, and you know in the A pool, if someone if someone throws we are in A pool too. Yeah, if someone <laughs> if someone throws before me, and they go OB on hole one, let's say it's a seven hundred foot hole. Yep. OB on the left and right. If someone throws before me and they throw it OB, I don't throw my Zeus. I throw an Undertaker. That's me laying because, up. I can still bury the hole because you're trying to beat the player. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this tournament is going to be. And I don't see the gimmick with that. The gimmick is now you have to determine what course you're going to go play for it. Because what, what course? Like, it, I think that kind of changes the mindset of how people are going to so play. So there's certain depending. courses you would be okay with match play. I Nothing is going to convince me to be okay with stroke play and match play at the same time. But yeah, there are different courses. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing's like, gonna, like, okay. Show's over. You know, a, mi- a million dollars would convince me to go try to win it. But so you no. think you think I having some, this yeah. is is slowing down the growth of the sport? No, and people are going to be like, "What is this? Why would they no, do see, this? This is stupid." See like, now, now you're talking about <laughs> the fans in disc golf. 
where a lot of times what people are talking about, the fans aren't the ones playing the tournament. Say this but tournament is say, are the say, fans huge? Wait, so say, why does why does the why does the NBA why is the NBA around? Why is the MLB around? Why is the NFL around? Because of the fans. Yeah, but they don't change up their formats. Maybe playoff format in the sense of how many teams are allowed into it, but they do the same thing every single day. So let's go. Let's go to that. Is. That we're on a good track now. Well, I want to say this really the quick. The Patriots You're, go fourteen and and three or whatever it was, yeah. right? Then they go to the playoffs. Does their record matter? Yeah. It depends on who they play. It against. goes to a seeding. Yeah. But just like we're talking about match play, but they're they're made they're winning by however many wins against someone else's wins doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess I'm saying it happens. It's it can be a part of the major. It, I hope people are appreciating this. Nick and I are longtime friends, and having yeah. Simon in the room, I'm well, like, well, it's like we have to remember where disc golf is, and yeah. the pro tour is freaking five years old. Like that is so <laughs> okay. young. Yeah. For a sport. Like it, and the m- amount it changed in five years is already mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like five years ago, I w- I remember being on tour five years ago, and being on tour now is like literally two different sports. It feels like two different events. If I go play Vegas now versus four years ago, five years ago, different feeling, different everything. The amount of cameras and media and attention and fans, everything is just changing. I think almost too fast for everything else <laughs> to like catch up and like when people just say now we need a fourth major like let's make it happen and i just i see what they were trying to do and i don't as i already said i don't really think we needed a six round match play stroke play event but um it's just it's just so hard to expect everything in disc golf suddenly to be like professional and perfect even it's it's still like changing it just needs more time so kind of going back if we're going to talk like, I want to say this a while ago, but we're kind of like Simon said, is this going to stop the potential growth of disc golf? No, obviously it's not going to stop the potential growth, but I don't think at the same time, the PDGA shouldn't be looking at a, a, a major and saying, oh, is this going to help grow disc golf? It should be, how is this going to help support the players that are actually playing this event? That's one big thing. Like the USCGC has gone up in prestige every year and that tournament is invite only. So they're only caring about the players that go to that event who are invited to it. But kind of going back to the football, let's say the football um, analogy is, say you and I are two different football teams. We're two different players. I have a great season. You have an okay season. That season gives me a first round bye because of my great season. So now I'm automatically in the pro tour or the major. I'm automatically in the finals now. The second thing about that is if I have a great season, I get a home field advantage. So now you made it into the finals against me, but because I played better all year, I get to choose what course we're going to play. Matt, if you and I are going to play each other, I'm going to play you at Maple Golds or I'm going to play you at Buffenville. If you play me, you're going to play bad, me. Bad at, choice. You're going to play me at Maple White. <laughs> Newton Hill. You're going to play me at Newton Hill or Maple Whites. Like that's the thing. That's where there's, I, there's and, no, and there's no fair. reward for playing incredible disc golf besides for getting top four. There's no reward after that, which yeah. I Obviously, you have a chance to win a major. That's a reward. I get that. But there's no reward for, say, Simon wins the whole thing in four rounds, the stroke play part. There's no reward for him shooting four 1,100 rated rounds in a row and beating everyone else in the field by 20 strokes. He goes in and just, now he's the one seed. He's playing the fourth best player in the world. To be honest, unless someone had a very fluky tournament, the fourth best player in the world at that tournament might be Eagle. Then it's Simon against Eagle. 
there's no major, major advantage until you go to what course are they playing? Is it more okay. forehand friendly? <clears throat> Simon can't throw forehand. It's right hypothetical. Now. Everything yeah, we're saying hypothetical. hypothetical because here's the deal. Can we even have this talk show if after that tournament, well, there will be a good a good story to talk about. If everybody is within one or two strokes of each other, we'll all go, eh, all of that talk about 15-stroke lead going into the end. Like, I don't, we've, we've talked about the history of that course. As someone said, course matters. I don't see that happening. I'm going to go on record as saying, if this event happens with match play, that it's we're not going to see fluky. Okay, like the match play will play out and we'll go, wow, that was really incredible disc golf. Okay, and we're going to say that the best player won or at least the best four players, one of the best four players won, which is how every tournament is. Um, But but to be fair, I'm going to correct myself here. When I said the NFL, the NBA and all that, I was more talking about like, why do they exist? Partly because of the fans. If there's no fan base, there's no money. There's no money to pay the players, all that. Right. So the fans are very important in any professional sport. For sure. Now, do you create it just for them? Let's look at what the NFL did. Now, whatever you think of the NFL, I don't know. But they have definitely done things. What about um, Major League Baseball? They're like shorten everything up. The amount of time you can take before hitting and pitching and all of that. They're talking about bringing it down to just seven innings just straight up. Uh, football, they changed the kickoff return to make it more exciting for people, right? Mm-hmm. And they've changed up the distance that you have to do a field goal. So it'd be more exciting. It's not just a gimme field goal anymore. Like the All right, so fans, I'll, the I'll fans do that. play a big part of this. Yeah. I'll go with that I understand really they're still playing the same game. Like it's not like changing yeah. the format. I get that, but like so, some things do change. So the fans are enjoying okay. it. So football changed the kickoff to be more exciting, or let's say they, they push back the field goals. They did that before a season started. They didn't do that in the Super Bowl. They didn't go to the Super Bowl, which would be this major championship, and say, oh, hey, by the way, guys, when you kick a 20-yard extra point, now it's 40 yards. The kicker's like, yeah, I practice that, but I don't practice that as much as I practice the 20-yard To be one, fair, they doing. did it more than a year out, so you, as a, a touring player, could they, practice for a whole year But they least. didn't. they didn't do it in the Super I Bowl, agree. though. I like, hear what you're saying. We're talking about the top-level event, the fourth major, the potential start of a Grand Slam season for a player. They started it at, you know, preseason. They did preseason games. You know what? You want to have a preseason tournament? Everyone shipped to Arizona at the beginning of the year, two weeks before Memorial or Vegas, whatever, and go play a match play tournament, yeah. stroke play match play tournament, make it an A tier to start, see how people react to it. But you're, yeah. you're talking about changing rules into the Super Bowl or the NBA I Actually, I can, I can really appreciate that opinion. I feel that there's enough time. Had it been this year, I, I, but they made a new event. So we're saying the Super Bowl, maybe it's equated to it, but we're not getting, we're not saying at Worlds this year it's doing that, like an event that's already happening, like the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's not fully translatable. I get what you're saying. Like the first year, and actually I'm on board with that. And I was talking to you about that, Simon. Like it is weird, like the very first year just to plop it out there. But do you have any final? We've talked about everything under the sun on that one. Um, I plus or like, what are the odds on it happening? Do you have any? I, I have something else to say. Right, a lot Mike, of people, a lot of a lot of people are saying, "Well, this sport does it. This sport does it. This sport does it." But every single time <laughs> I say, "Hey, golf does it," I get berated with hate <laughs> because we say we compare disc golf to another sport. Yeah. Every single player or every single person in the chat right now is literally like, "Well, NASCAR does it, or baseball does it like this, or football does it like that." Any single time that I say, you know, 
hey, T-Pass should be different in disc golf because it's how golf does it. Oh, my God, Nick, you're the worst person they don't, in the world. Stop they don't talking do about golf me. and disc golf. Like that. <laughs> they don't that do is that where the funniness in this is. All right. Let's wrap up that conversation. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I said if it happens, I think we'll see good golf, and I think we'll see good golf win it. All right, last sentence on this. If I'm imagining the PGA, the top golf tournament, adding a new event with four rounds of stroke play, and then the top four guys go into a match play battle over two more days, I would be pretty excited about it to watch it. That's number one. If they would call it a new major instantly right off the bat, I disagree. So I guess we kind of all agree on that. Like, I think it will be exciting. I think it will definitely have positives. And the hypothetical case that one guy's going to lead by 15 strokes, then lose his whole advantage. That's just so, so unrealistic and pretty much. It is a hypo- It is a hypothetical, especially but, yeah. on that course. I mean, that tournament is supposed to rotate courses, but on that course, historically, there's been so many sudden death playoffs. Yeah. There's I've... been a lot of playoffs at it. The only yeah. year that it kind of, got away was the year ricky won worlds but that also had fort gordon mm-hmm. being in effect at it yeah. so yeah i complete the stroke thing lead is 100 percent hypothetical which just about everything in this conversation is hypothetical <laughs> yeah so that's, that's where what, that's why our show exists that's exactly. why our show exists. literally talk we're talking about this in all hypotheticals so. so all right we're all on the same page with that let me ask closing out probably closing out questions here but so, one of them is simon you've been involved now with would you call them a trainer, an athletic trainer? Is that what you've been doing for your rehab? Is it an athletic trainer? I've been doing everything, so yes. Okay. I guess my thought was, do you think, and this actually didn't relate to your elbow injury. It was just something I was thinking of. We see every other sport in the world having athletic trainers. Do you think that's going to become something that's very common in disc golf? I mean, we're already seeing it. Yeah. You all, I mean, everyone probably, most people know about Disc Golf Strong. Seth Muncy started, mm-hmm. I, he only started like two or three seasons ago. So yeah. it's also like really fresh, but he almost, almost feels like he's part of it now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've been working with a handful of personal trainers, and I'm sure that the top couple guys are doing off-season training now, mm-hmm. which again, two years ago was like unheard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, everything's evolving so fast. And it's it's just for us so hard to take it easy and kind of like let it grow and give it some more time because we always expect just everything to be perfect and at this speed it's just yeah crazy but the personal trainer stuff definitely gonna be like a whole new part of the game very it's already is but it's gonna get more and more for sure yeah i'm laughing nick does does golf have trainers yeah exactly <laughs> does does the nfl have trainers matt but but yes yeah have a lot of trainers. <laughs> yeah no no i, I want to go on what simon just said I was super pumped that Disc Golf Strong is going back out on the road. So one of my great stories, we had Seth Muncy on our podcast way early on. Like, I think within 10 episodes, Seth Muncy was on it. And it still, to this day, was one of my favorite podcasts that I've done with another guest. And um, just a quick little story. Last year, when I went to Waco, I had played a bad first round. But at the end of the day, I was stretching out, went over to the Disc Golf Strong tent, did some stuff with Seth Muncy, just saying, hey, my feet kind of hurt. And then the next morning, before my round, I threw some discs. I went and warmed up at the Disc Golf Strong tent. Then I went back to putting, throwing more. And I played my best round of the tournament. It was only two rounds because I cut short. But it definitely helped being stretched out by a legitimate personal trainer. Someone who actually knows. It's not just me going over there and stretching out my arm and saying, yeah, that was great. (laughs) It's someone saying, hey, take this lacrosse ball, roll it around in your foot for five minutes while also doing this at the same time. And then it's like, 
wow, that feels worlds better. So for disc golf to actually have someone like that doing it for free for the players, like you can just walk right up to the tent. You don't even have to be a touring pro and just say, Hey man, can you help me out? I'm about to start my round in an hour. I'd love to, you know, get going with this. But I'm thinking even down along the lines and I know Seth, I know Seth does this sometimes too, but it's like somebody that's able to help you in the disc golf mindset, which is like, Hey, how are you going to think about it? How is your mental game? How is your breathing? All this stuff, like before a tournament round, even to have someone there, would it be weird to say that and we see it in golf, Nick, <laughs> I keep going to that where like a caddy knows that player so well, it could even be a trainer. Like, Hey, like, why don't you think this, this is your strength or mm-hmm. here, let's work on your, like, hopefully you've practiced all your breathing before then. But like the yep. point is, I think it's needed. Like it's, it looks like a, we're saying it's gimmicky, the sport without, with match play. It's kind of gimmicky to just have players who are just like, I'm a pro and like they tour around and there's like nothing else that makes them a pro. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, oh, that's like yeah, super 100%. weird too. I, I get that. That's, oh, that's a whole different rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's something we'd be talking about that for another hour on qualifications to actually make the pro tour. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother. Yeah, you'd have topic. to have a web.com tour like golf does. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking it's funny. How about this? Um, And I've got one question to close it out to Simon later, but Simon, Worlds? It says my mic is too loud, I think. No, I think someone said it's 10% lower. What? I read a comment earlier that said lower lower. your mic. Yeah. The only reason they're saying that is because when you're looking on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, oh. Literally lower. Yeah, they literally (laughs) meant lower your mic in the sense of like you were being, you were like this. Okay. Well, I'm just slouching. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, okay i'm sorry whoever commented that earlier he's fixed he's back okay that's funny all right so what i was going to say is the pdga pro worlds or pdga is announced and you Mm -hmm. saw it through ulti world as well um that it's happening so our topic a couple weeks ago where we're like is it is it not what do you think all these things like i said i said it would have to be announced by i think i said like what was it march or something and so it's february they realized did you see? Did you read the article? Uh, I didn't read the whole article to it. I kind of briefly read through it. Um, my take on it is nothing is set in stone right now in the sense of there could be a massive spike in COVID in Utah, and that completely shuts down the idea of having a bunch of disc golfers from all Nick's, over the country. Nick's a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I just don't want to get like super excited for something that potentially won't happen. Because honestly, I would love to go out and play Worlds <laughs> this year. So, but I don't know if I 100%, you know, am going to be able to. That was kind of the big thing where I signed up for Vegas months ago. And then it came out like four weeks ago. Hey, there's potential potential that Vegas still might not even happen. And so then I was kind of like, damn, I, I booked everything. I already got my hotel room and everything like that. So it was kind of a little sketchy. But I mean, great. If Worlds is happening, that's amazing. The thing that I feel the worst about is there's going to be no international players unless they've been living here. Unless <laughs> well, hold they on, have hold been on. living here. Hold on. That's, we don't need to rehash this whole topic, right? Because we had this topic and we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But I have, I almost have a change of feelings on the idea. I think we were talking to this with Hunter Thomas. And Simon, what, what's your opinion? And I'll share mine after. I want to give you an opportunity. People are like, is Simon going to talk? <laughs> I want to be clear. Simon has full rights to talk. 
he's got to talk when he wants to, but he's been listening and I don't like great talking points. over people. So I just wait until you're done, but you're never done. <laughs> yeah. And he's right. also there. That was a, I, I was going to, cause I wanted to comment on that dude's comment earlier and saying like, Simon has said the same thing three times in a row of where like he gave the answer kind of the same way three times. So it was kind of like, He's talking. He's just, you know. We've been talking about the same thing for like an hour. That's what I mean. Exactly. (laughs) So what I was going to ask is, what are your thoughts on the world's happening regardless of like restrictions and travel from like other countries? I I, I don't know. That's my best answer is I don't know. I don't, I can't make that decision. And we already missed out last year in Worlds and that was a big discussion. Mm -hmm. It's hard to call it a World Championships if there's, two or three nations there i guess yes so i really don't know I, I there's so many more things behind the scenes going on than i know that anyone knows so uh yeah i don't think i'm in the position to have an opinion about that that's fair i think that um it's going to be harder but worlds is not an american or a north american tournament it just happens to be where it was for this year every year well, it has been that way, but that's not a requirement. No, it's not a requirement. But so I'm just saying, like yeah. that's where it's happening. And is it if it was somewhere else? Like I don't think that it's right to shut down worlds just because because not every country shut off to the United States. Well, what if what if Finland was hosting the World Championships this year and none of us were allowed to go to the World Championships? Right, but everyone in Europe could go. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying I think that's just the nature of COVID right now. I don't think you I shut think it down. I think that's the nature of COVID. I think someone had jokingly wrote. Now it's the North American Disc Golf Championships, and I thought that was really funny. And I, I think that's true. It could true be than worlds because the USCGC is different. The USCGC is the United States Disc Golf Championships, just like the European Open is different. They're both majors. They're both two of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious, events in our sport. If they want to have the European Championships this year, that's great. That's totally fine. It is the European Championships. They can have it at any course in Europe and still call it the European Championships. When you have the world championships, the world is not invited to play in the world championships right now because of a pandemic that's going on. So that's where I don't like the idea of saying... No, the world is invited if they can find out a way. And so here's where I'm going with this. I have, and not to make this super personal, but my sister is engaged to a European. Mm -hmm. And he found a way to come over here during the pandemic. And you know what it was? Now, I'm not saying every uh, this might be a far cry, but he went to Mexico. For two weeks, you know what it cost to rent a place there for two weeks? It was like 60 bucks. No joke. It was something crazy. Mm-hmm. He went to the grocery store, spent like another $30 or $20. And like, so for 80 bucks, two weeks in Mexico. I know, I know it seems a little shady. Mm-hmm. But then he came here. Negative COVID test, United States lets him in. Yeah. I know I saw a report like um, Albert, Tom, Yeah. like thinking about it. So it's not that it's impossible. It is way harder. I agree with that. I don't like it. I can say that much. But I do think that worlds should happen. Do you realize how, and I know you, you always speak, you're, you're a pro, you're a champion for the tournament, the TDs. You are, Simon. You, so much work goes into that event. And it already got pushed, right? You know how much money was lost on that already, right? Yeah. To be like, we need to know, is it happening? And for them to shut it all down, I mean, it would just be massive amounts of money shut down. So maybe they can change the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, Hunter <laughs> Thomas brought this up a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was an incredible thing. So if we don't have world championships again this year, two years in a row, we didn't have the world championships. That's two years of 
Paul still being in his prime, Ricky being in his prime, Eagle being in his prime, and that's two years of them not getting world champions, uh, world championship titles. Say Paul won last year and this year's Worlds, that's now he's a seven-time champion, slowly itching into that Climo era. Say this pandemic goes on for another three years. We don't have Worlds those three years. Now Paul is getting a little bit older. An injury might have happened. He's out of his prime now. Three or five years of Worlds not happening determines whether we still have that conversation would seven times now be an argument to Paul is the greatest of all time or now Eagle is a three-time world championship. We'll never know because we didn't have a 2020 world champion. So yeah, I would love for worlds to go on. I think it's an incredible thing to label someone in our sport as a world champion. Um, But at the same time, when you're cut off at the moment, it's not that there are ways to get into the U S but they're not, there may not be ways for someone to get out of, you know, uh, Estonia, like say Silver and Kristen and Albert couldn't come over because Estonia now has regulations. That's three of Estonia's best players. And especially Kristen's one of the best players in the world for the FPO division. There's legitimately no chance for her to come over right now. And she's a U.S. women's champion too. So that's, I can get it when it comes to the U.S. women's and the USDGC. But I think that's kind of tough of when you're calling it a world championship. But once again, it's just the North American Disc Golf Championship. So I'm kind of like, I'm 50-50. But on isn't it, it already of, the North American Disc Golf Championship in that sense? Look at the percentage of how many people are American and how many people are Yeah, European. I get that. But that's because it's we've had so, it We've had it in America every single year. What happens when it goes to Europe? And it's I keep be, saying that's it's okay. Gonna less. I yeah, keep it's going to be less. Yeah, it's going to be when that happens. Yeah. I, would, I would hope. It's just like the Aussie Open. It was an incredible tournament. But how much is it to fly to Australia? Right. But so, I, right. You okay. Know? So, that, so that's fair. I actually like that, that topic. It is harder. In fact, a lot of people don't go. I know the pandemic is a different thing altogether, but like, I kind of see it that way. It is harder and it sucks, but like it has to go on. I've been watching darts <laughs> and the world championships was recently, yeah. like pretty much exactly a month ago. They did the world championships mm-hmm. in England, which has also not uh, the greatest COVID stats. And people were from all over the world, from Australia, from China, from Japan, from I think only one or two countries had problems with uh, the travel to England. So there is a way. And I talked to Yussi on the phone a couple of days ago about European Open, what his thoughts are and how he thinks it's looking for like that to happen with Americans coming to Finland for that. And there's already talks about creating like a player's bubble and having everyone has to stay at the same hotel and mm-hmm. no one can do kind of their own thing. Like everything is regulated. And that might be the only way to run an international event right now it's still unfortunately yeah i think things are starting to look a little better I've, i'm not i don't i don't want to claim that i have any kind of knowledge on any numbers but um yeah i mean i just i just hope i really hope things uh can be possible and i i agree with nick that i think worlds should happen yeah i think worlds should happen i think international travel will eventually be opened up again obviously someone i wrote the pandemic's not going on for another few years i get that i'm just once again hypothetically speaking would you say would you say if paul or simon wins worlds this year oh dude it was just the north american open i mean technically i wouldn't say that in the sense of (laughs) A European hasn't won Worlds. Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe they have at one point, but someone just wrote Seppo got it two years ago. He got fifth place. That's not saying that there isn't a European player who can come out and win Worlds. Like, there's a European player right now for Prodigy from Germany who's higher rated than Simon right now. Dude's an incredible player. There was what? that guy. 
So yeah. like there are incredible players out in Europe. I, I don't think we can, you know, it's just, we'll never know right now because the travel is so restricted at the moment. Simon's thing when it comes to darts, one of the great things about that is that a professional, like one of the best darts players in the world can afford to move to a new country, set up their whole life and be perfectly fine because they're making a crap ton of money. A disc <laughs> offer, whoever's 10th in the world might not be making that much money to where they might not be able to afford going to Europe for over three weeks, you know, and then staying in a player's bubble. I get it. Like that's just the nature of our sport right now. I'm saying a lot of what ifs, but at the same time, yeah, I want worlds to happen. I'll kind of just say that, but, um, so I don't know. I mean, where are we at? Simon, when's your plan to come back on tour? Um, right now at the latest, uh, beginning of May. So the, what is it called? The OTB open now would be the mm-hmm. first event. Mm-hmm. OTBO, which, you know, kind of going on that really quick. I heard that was an incredible change because the San Francisco course, uh, Glen Eagles looks really, really fun. But I heard the area that it is in. I've heard gunshots going wicked off. Wicked sketchy. And like West Coast disc yeah. golf. It's like. Pew, pew. So uh, I think uh, it's going out to uh, another town that begins with an S. I can't remember. Stock- Stockton. Or something? Yeah, Stockton. <clears throat> and uh, and then finally, because we're down to the end here. Um, Simon, will you be doing Vlogmas ever again? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Egon and I have been talking. And maybe this year we will be doing like a. He posts on the first, me the okay. second, him the third, me the fourth, <laughs> nice. and like so on, just to like give yeah. each other a little break. And hopefully, if the situation allows, like maybe I could do some more traveling or maybe fly in some other pros to make it more entertaining and more easy to make like daily content. Because uh, it was definitely financially awesome for me. It was, it was kind of fun, and I kind of missed it the first couple of days after being so busy every day and productive. Um, so it's not impossible, but I would definitely need like the whole situation to kind of relax. I was just like, how much effort like every day to do that? And then final question. If you do Vlogmas again, did you, how much did you like the idea of having Christmas gifts sent to you and opening them? Would you do that again? Was that awesome? Or would you be like, yeah, that was a lot of work. I mean, I felt a bit bad because (laughs) days and days after packages were still rolling into maple hill and every day i would get a text message from tom and he was like got another four packages for you and i was like oh no i'm so sorry i mean i kind of figured that was going to happen but i tried to give everyone like three weeks heads up but with i think we had a snowstorm a week before christmas and that messed up the whole packaging stuff so yeah it was def it was i was blown away by the cool stuff i got and every single gift was like just love and cool and Overall, it was a very fun idea, but I think the disc golf guy called me out that said I was just cheating content. Just like, <laughs> hey guys, send me a package. I'll open on camera. Here we go, two videos. I've seen a ton. Of, I've seen a ton of streamers do that, so I don't think it's cheating yeah. content. It's just it, it was different because you did a vlogmas with no disc golf, and you did it every day. You know, I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff is gonna come up, and I think it. Yeah. it I thought that was a wicked cool uh, idea. Yeah, I thought it was good. <clears throat> All right, any closing thoughts, Nick? Or Simon or anybody. I mean, people roasting no. me. They said Simon roasted me because I talk. I'm chatty, Kathy. Man, listen, people. That's why do you think? Why do you think? And I know people are gonna roast me for saying this, but why do you think I even started this with Nick? Yeah. And why do you think I don't have a podcast? 
because I don't like no, see, to say my opinions or even have any. This uh, this podcast was just saying that you're now required to be here every Thursday since I'll be gone. <laughs> just kidding. Don't get your hopes up, people. There will be times I hit him up. Yeah. But, Nick, you're going away. This is a going away party. I am. I, I fly out tomorrow back down to... Uh... Don't sound so happy. Uh-huh. Your girlfriend no, might be watching. I'm oh, I'm super excited, believe me. I'm tired right now. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I'm just kind of like I I'm I'm figuring out, you know, how everything gets set up and all that jazz. So, if next week we have to take a break cuz I don't have everything figured out yet, then who knows, but anyways, go Buccaneers and the Super Bowl. That's who I'm rooting oh, for. Yeah. Is that Florida? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If people are Tampa Bay. Here's my I was going to say Tom my Brady? opinion is I I rooted for Tom Brady for 20 years. Yeah. I'm not going to change. I, I hope he gets another one just because it's cool. And I've never watched a single football match, and I think I never will. The Super Bowl, <laughs> if you're going to watch one, is the one to watch. And Brody, I am totally ready. Can't wait to see you in a couple days. Good, sir. And uh, anyways, is that doing it for tonight? Uh, Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> we I put think, it on site. <laughs> uh, to Christopher Nearbo, really quick, thank you for the 33 knocks. Um, I'm, I'm we're really appreciate friends. that every single little every Brody, single podcast you're doing that Brody we always appreciate you in the chat yeah if, exactly and, and you it takes one to know one Brody and you might think your points are better than mine but you share your points with hot fire and I'm trying to do the same just trying to learn from the best I think that's the fun part about tonight <laughs> you kind of have devil's advocate playing and you know oh for it's, sure it's not a fun podcast if no one's debating before the, the show other before the show Nick what did I say to yeah you? you said you're gonna be on the side of I want the event to happen and I think because be an and I'm idea. not and I'm not saying that I yeah. didn't actually believe some of those but Nick comes in he's like I've been thinking about it and like yeah. I don't think it should happen and I looked up at him and I said Hope you're ready, dude. <laughs> so, good job, Matt. Yeah, good job. Yeah. And I apologize, Simon. We let you sit there a lot tonight, but you, what you said is totally worth having you here. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it was a great, great idea to have Simon in for tonight because we want to have a touring professional opinion. His opinion. I, I'm going to go back and listen to this. No joke. I might fast forward through my parts, but I'm going to go back and listen to it and try to hear like your opinion on it because like. There was some good stuff in here. I, I can really say it for it. a fourth time. If yeah, would you repeat it for a fourth time? No, I'm Go kidding. for it. I, I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. The whole thing. Everyone's everyone's trying to get Brody on right now, folks. No, I have a Go flight to catch listen. tomorrow. Yeah. And all right, here we go. Tell yeah, them exactly. So everyone, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Uh, definitely like, subscribe, check it out on all the podcast networks. Um, give us a thumbs up if you can. Give us a five star rating. That'd be great. Anyways, Matt Simon, we really appreciate another night of this. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace out, everybody. Showmez. Is it on today? Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.